What's going on, everybody? Thanks for checking out this episode of The Show, The Podcast. Be sure to leave a five-star review, and I'll shout you out in the next episode. But right now, it's time to take the field. Yo, what is going on, everybody? You won't see take one, but this is take two of this episode <laughs> of The Show, The Podcast on YouTube. I am here with my guy, TyGuy711. What's up, guys? Joining me out from the West Coast. We are here today to talk about some finest. We are here today to talk about this 17-year-old and his content creation career and his dreams. And, uh, I mean, we're going to have a great episode here, guys. Uh, Really thankful you guys tuned in, obviously. I appreciate you guys every week. Um, We're talking finest again. So it's been three straight weeks of finest now that we've been talking about it. I think it's the biggest content drop we've had in a little while. So it's it's worth our time. and Ty, I mean, great place to start. I just, first reactions from Finest, I mean, the, the community is a little polarized by it, but, but what do you think? Uh, first, when I got into it, I was not happy with seeing, the, the, the thing that set everybody off was the Freddie Freeman, and I'm mm-hmm. sure you saw it. Absolutely. Um, and then it was the Mookie Betts, and then all these other cards were setting everybody off. But once they had that stream, everything was just fine. The Cattell Marte, the Lindor, Arnado, all these cards, the Nishek. Uh, it made it a really good drop. And I think as a content creator, it's exactly what you want. Uh, because if you're going to have such a good drop, you want to have more cards out there. I know a lot of streamers and YouTubers are using that to their advantage. And I'm trying to as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely happy with this drop. Uh, it's sad, though, because this is probably going to be one of the best drops that we're going to have. But it's going to be the last one, too. Yeah. And the way I look at it, talked about it a little on the last episode. First of all, it's a major win. Oh, yeah. For just sure. because we just got 50-some-odd cards that are all 97 and above. And the beauty about this year's game is that you'll never, ever face a lineup that's the same as yours. There's so much right. variety. So much variety. And, yeah, sure. I mean, Freddie Freeman kind of sucks comparatively to what we thought we'd get. Yep. But at the, at the same time, he earned those stats. Yep. But also at the same time, there's inconsistencies. You're going to tell me that Jacob Stallings deserves a card that is yeah. maybe even better overall than Freddie Freeman? Like, that makes zero yeah. sense to me. That's exactly what I was going to say. That was who I was trying to think of. Stallings, like, at first, I didn't even think Stallings was going to be the Pirates card. It was either Hayes or Moran. Those were, like, the two guys that everybody was set on. And personally, I wanted to see Hayes because I think that would have been a great card. I know he was given a team affinity earlier on. But I was really just – wondering why i wanted a good freddy card um i wanted a good mookie card that's why i didn't want them to release the the 99 finest i wanted them I, to do I agree 100 yeah, yeah. I agree. so that was very frustrating as a content creator because i mean everybody wanted a good outfielder and especially mookie bets so it was a little disappointing but i mean stallings is a goat i mean what are you gonna say <laughs> he's a good guy to have a catcher I will say with the Mookie bets, I 100% agree with you. The, the MVP 99 Mookie that we thought we'd be getting at some point, I guess yeah. we still can, but it's kind of late at this point, would yeah. be better against lefties. But I've been using the new Mookie in the event that just dropped. Yep. And he hits pretty friggin' well. I know it's on All-Star, so like take it with a grain of salt, but he hits everybody pretty well. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. And I've seen other people like Ochev. I've seen him succeed with them. I've seen a lot of other content creators. Kareem tells me he succeeds with them. There's people that are succeeding with the cards, and I think at this point in the year, it's not the card, it's not the attributes. It's definitely the swing, 
mm-hmm. how well you do with the cards. It, it's all that is the factor now. It's not really what the attributes have on the card. It's just how you do personally mm-hmm. with the swing. Because I suck with Manny Machado. Like, oh, I his love attributes. this. I love this card See? so much. See, and there's people that are getting different feedback with one card. It's it's completely different. That's what makes the game mm-hmm. the one good thing about it. That's keeping it pushing right now in November. Yeah. So let's use this as a segue then to talk about the best finest card. And you just mentioned Machado, who I think hands down is the best finest card. You look at his attributes and he's absolutely loaded. He's the best fielder in the game, not named Ivan Rodriguez. Yep. And what I love about him, yeah, his swing is weird. You have to get very used to it. Weird. It's it's really short and very quick. But at the same time, he's one of the few players that I think can drive the ball the other way consistently with exit velo. So yeah. many guys, the second you go the other way, they lose so much pop off the bat. But I'm hitting opposite field home runs like they're nothing with him. Yeah, that's that's Trout. I mean, Trout completely yeah. lost everything. I don't yeah. know what happened. Um, but I had like a little like hot streak with Machado, like three games. He went like six for six with like five home runs. And then ever since then, he's just dipped down. So there's cards like that that are just iffy. But the best right now, oh, man, I'm going to have to go between DeGrom or Soto. I mean, Soto, obviously, the attributes, they're incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but He's just per- – he's a sieve in left field. He's so oh, bad in left field. Yeah, he's horrible in left field. But, but his hitting stats, you're right, are second to none. They're they, unreal. They, they make yeah. up for it. That's my thing. And if I'm willing to take a hit in left field and then get that amazing power, amazing contact, amazing splits, reverse splits uh, for Soto, and then mm-hmm. DeGrom, outlier, that ball, the two-seam can move. And even the four-seam has movement on it. Um, slider's nice. I really like the differentials and speed. So he's done really well for me, and I'm starting to really like Gallon. So those are my, like, top three right now. See, I've been using DeGrom in the event, and the two-seamer, I think, is his best pitch, even though he has outlier on the fastball. Mm-hmm. But something about DeGrom, man, I'm always so hittable with him. So I'm going to give yeah. Gallon a shot. I haven't tried Gallon yet. Gallon sinker is really, really nice. But, again, with guys like Darvish and Bauer, they're completely different because – you would think that the differential with the cutter and the sinker would be very helpful for them, but it just feels like all the top players rock them. Mm-hmm. Like I faced two top 50 players these past few weeks and literally Bauer allowed, I think 10 and then Darvish allowed like six. Yeah. See, so, I haven't, I haven't used Bauer in ranked yet, but I feel so comfortable pitching with Bauer. His, his movement, his, uh, his windup is really easy. I know his control isn't great, but I feel like I can put the ball where I want with him. But yeah. he doesn't have the velo, and no. that's going to hurt you. And Darvish, kind of same thing, but his pitches are like Frisbees. So. Yeah, and I feel like his balls are very flat. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, they're just right there. They're very straight. And Bauer is really useful for that aspect because he does have movement on his pitches and they're not flat. But it just feels like he's so easy to hit and read. But I feel comfortable with him. It's just a matter of other players doing better facing him. Mm-hmm. That's my yeah. thing. I played a guy in the event before I was using Darvish. And Darvish, you kind of have to live off the corners. Yep, exactly. um, You need people to chase. And I swear to God, this guy didn't swing in a single ball out of strike zone. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter how close I put it. The dude didn't swing at shit. And it frustrated me so much. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is because that's what I tried to do because I figured with a sinker, a cutter, you're going to want to paint the edges. You're going to paint the corners. Mm-hmm. And I tried my best, but, man, you cannot – once he loses stamina and that card starts to lose his confidence too – Oh, he's done. It's, yeah. it's done. It's, mm-hmm. it's literally 
he's got three innings in it with him if he gets rocked or yeah, it's that's why I don't like Darvish. Yeah. And I mean, as far as you know, these cards we're talking about right now are good cards. They're not the worst of the bunch, even if we don't perform very well with them. Right. Who do yeah. you think might be one of the worst finest that came out? Ooh, the worst. And I'm thinking more along the lines of the guys actually within Team Affinity, not the extra cards that they that they came out with. Okay. So ah man, there was a lot of concerning for sure cards. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the ones I really liked Yaz, so I wouldn't say Yaz. Um, story concerned me. I would say story is up there just because they had a 96 overall that was nearly better. Yeah, than so the, close to the 99. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely an L for me, and that's definitely up there. Um, and even there, I like the Candelario. I, I would honestly say just because of the repeat and how bad that replicated with the 99 or with the 96. I think that's a fat L and it's one of the worst because you can use the 96 over him. That, that would be the biggest, the worst for me. You almost had me jumping at Candelario because oh, I love next, that card. He is the best underrated finest card. Mm-hmm. And I shit you not. This sounds funny. If I keep raking with him in the event, he's going to replace Babe Ruth as my first baseman. The wow. dude, the switch hitter. Wow. Switch hitter. He's okay. got a glitchy swing. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. He's got a nice swing. I don't know how he'll perform on anything but All-Star, so it'll be an experiment. But I'm telling you, the guy is much better than people say. Yeah, no, I've definitely seen that. And I like – the only thing that was – it was the contact versus lefties, right? A little – yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but otherwise, I, that card looks amazing. Uh, I've always liked his swing. I even used it in BR. It was just like a sneaky little card because he had mm-hmm. a good swing. Um, but, yeah, I, I, like I said, the story, that's the, that's the negative for me. Yeah, one card I was a little disappointed in, and not on the overall, kind of just on an individual part. Uh, Tim Anderson is on my bench as my lefty killer right now. Mm-hmm. He's a attribute-wise, he's better against lefties than Nelson Cruz just because his vision and his speed is a little better. Yep. Plus, if for some reason you do have to stick him in the field, he's not a disaster. Right. But I thought his power against righties was really low. Oh, horribly low. Like, and that's why he's I think- better against lefties, but still, he hits righties well. Yeah, and that's why I think Mondesi is the guy to go for that lefty-lefty matchup. Mm-hmm. Or even – I know Nelly has less vision, but that, that swing, the swing is, is really incredible. Good. Yeah, And that's why he's on my bench. I have both Mondesi and Cruz as my lefty killers right now. Yeah, I, I was loving Castellanos' swing. Oh, But that. on the higher difficulties, I feel like it's too long of a swing, and I was behind everything. So yep. I want Tim yep. Anderson's got that quick swing. Yeah, I have Castellanos, the 99 we're talking, right? The monthly yeah, award. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bat 538 with that card and 130 ABs. That card's incredible. I, yeah, I it's love so that good. Mm-hmm. Love it. So, with finest overall, like we said, it's a win. People can say it's an L. It's not. It's, it's, it's not. a win. But yeah. I do think there were issues with the timing. Obviously, you have to 1, wait. 1,000%. You have to wait till the end of the season to do finest. No one's mm-hmm. arguing that. But – Team Affinity Stage 3 came out too soon. Mm-hmm. And with all that time in between 3 and 4, I think it set us up for these cards to be so amazing they would, like, shatter the game. Yet, right. meanwhile, they're just good 99s. You know, they're not, like – they're not immortals. They're not anything like that. They're just good 99s. And that's why I think that when Freddy was released, immediately everybody's like, L, 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 L. Like, it made sense because everybody expected – an amazing card mm-hmm. for a card that we're waiting for for so long. And that's another thing. Content creators, people don't really want to grind out team affinities on stream and they don't really want to grind it off stream. It's just the thing. And that's why the gap between team affinity two 
and then well, stage two and then stage three hurt them as a company because they had no chance at all these people catching up to that that quickly. But then again, that gap was very helpful Yeah, and it hurt them back again with the weak cards, you mm-hmm. know? I think, see, there's two ways to look at revealing Freeman first. Mm-hmm. For sure. The first way is, oh, we'll release one of the worst cards first. So we can only get better from here. But the way I look at it is, why not drop us with Machado first and be like, look at this shit. Yeah. And then, like, just hide Freeman in there somewhere, you know? And, like, get us something excited about and then just release everything slowly. And that's what they did with Machado. They hit him. Like, yeah. was, like, like show me that first. Yeah. We were like, okay, so there's 99 Manny Machado. Okay, let's see the stats of that. And then they hit Hen- Hendricks in there. And I was like, okay, that could be a semi-decent card. And people actually have come out saying that they like that card. So it didn't make sense to me from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. I would have thought that they would have been like, Mookie bets because sure the lefty was down, but then it kind of like lowered our expectations thinking that he's going to get a better card mm-hmm. because when they waited that long to release a Mookie, everybody's like, okay, it's for sure Mookie. Release it first and get it out of the way instead of getting our hopes up yeah. that it could be, you know, something else, but it mm-hmm. happens. And you can, you know, we were talking about Mookie before too. You can also look at this, look at this Mookie card and he can play second base. And as a second baseman, his attributes are very strong. Oh yeah. And that's, he, he could go up with guys like Hornsby. When you put Seager over to second, that's an automatic upgrade. Sure. Not hitting, but for fielding with how bad his fielding is. So I would definitely put Mookie and give him a shot at second. Yeah. Seager has been my second baseman because his swing is just so, so good. His fielding hasn't, his fielding hasn't hurt me yet because I had been using Hornsby. So it's already an upgrade there. Mm -hmm. Um, He's still got a gold shield at second, so he's not killing me. Right. But I could definitely see a time when we want to go upgraded to diamond and then maybe Mookie gets a shot or maybe someone else comes out that we're not expecting. Um, yeah, I was rough. second base, a rough position this year. It definitely is. And that's why Seager's kind of hurt me a little bit at second. But again, I, when I first started off with him, I think in like 40 ABs, I've added 600 with him. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a guy that you can't take out because of how good of a swing he has. And against and lefties. With attributes. Yeah. And yeah. the reverse splits, like mm-hmm. we talked about with Soto. So that's why I definitely am going to be keeping Seager probably for the rest of the year at second. Yeah. Um, because he, he does still fall behind Tatis at short, I think. Oh, Ta- for sure. And Tatis's swing is just – once you get – you have to get used to Tatis's swing. It took me forever. But once you get used to it, everything he hits is a piss missile. Yeah, he's – Tatis will probably be my endgame shortstop too because Tatis with how good he is and his fielding, the speed – He's literally like the perfect guy at shortstop. So I don't see myself taking him out anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other cards that you're using in ranked right now that I don't know, maybe you don't see a ton of other people using, you know, obviously there are the God teams right now and so many right. players overlap, but do you use some guys that you're just very comfortable with? Uh, Cassianos is one. Yeah. I mean, people obviously use him, but not nearly as much as people used to. Um, and he's been on my bench and he was on my team for a long time. Even when like guys like Babe Ruth and all these other cards came out, he's been on the team for a while. Um, I, I like Mondesi. I think Mondesi is always going to be a good card. I'm using Hornsby at first right now, which is oh, something different. different. Okay. Yeah. So that's definitely something that people aren't doing. Um, I had Chipper, the 99 Chipper for a while. And the biggest mistake I made was selling him for 99 Machado. And 
that's it's been downhill for me unranked well, ever since. See, I heard uh, I heard ninety nine chipper gets bad exit velos. Here and there, yes, but if you get a low curveball, oh, it's gone. And With you his perfect, swing, it's perfect, gone. Yeah. it is destroyed. Yeah, one hundred sixteen exit velo, like that thing pops off the bat. Mm-hmm. Who are you using behind the plate? Because I find myself rotating around, and right now I think the new Real Muto has a sick swing. I'm actually I have Fox, but what I'm thinking now is moving Salvi at catcher because that swing is amazing. Yeah, I, I tried it. I, I'm gonna go back to him and go back and forth until I pick between Perez or, or Real Muto. Ramuto, I'm very interested in as well. Um, but right now I'm thinking ninety nine Salvi at catcher and then Fox at first and then mm-hmm. Hornsby's probably gonna have to sit the bench. Yeah, I really like Jimmy Fox's swing. I had him catching because I like Babe Ruth at first. Right. Um, and then I, I even like Frank Thomas. I prestige Frank Thomas. Lou Gehrig for me is not as good as an extreme program guy should have been. Um, so I just kind of ditched him at this point. Yep. But I don't catcher catcher and second base have been two pretty much black holes this year, in my opinion. No, I'm I'm hundred percent with that. And that's why we have someone like Corey Seager at second, like not to, that's a shortstop card. You would think that we'd have like a for sure set second baseman, but we don't. It's like, People are always using a different second baseman. The outfield's kind of been set for a while now. Third base now is obviously set with Chipper, um, Machado, shortstop set with Tatis. So mm-hmm. it's really, you're right, between those two positions for sure. Yeah, and my, my outfield is a little different, I think, than most people. I took out Mantle for Griffey because I, mean. I love Griffey's swing. Griffey's my favorite player of all time. I've got his, you know, his stuff over here. Yeah. Um, and Mickey for me – well, I got bored of using him because I've had him since May or whatever it is. Right. But at the, at the same time, something about his swing is really long. And I yeah. feel like some perfect perfect should not be flyouts to the warning track, and he gets that from time to time. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. I actually am rocking Soto, Trout, Griffey. I that's think that's I like the only thing that you that's should what, be doing yeah, right that's now. That's what I have. Um, Mantle's been sitting on my bench for a little while, but uh, I, I'm totally with you on that. I think Mantle's exavilos are kind of concerning sometimes. Uh, and I, I, this was like a theory that was thrown out there, but every time a new outfielder card is released, and I firmly believe it, somehow, some way, those cards are nerfed. You think like, they nerf them? Yeah. I, I 100% do, because my Trout, literally the day that people said it, I completely eliminated like that from just being hurt at all. Mm-hmm. And when I played with the card, I tell you, and I kid you not, literally perfect perfects were literally pop-outs. It, it made no sense. Everything yeah. was just... Yeah, Trout's been nerfed, and it pisses me off as an Angel fan. So, <laughs> And we've, we've seen the nerfs. Like, Craig Biggio goes through these peaks and valleys of sometimes the ball jumps off his bat and sometimes he's got a wet noodle. So, like, you never know with these guys. That's what happened exactly, too, because I had Jimmy, or I had Craig Biggio behind the plate, and then I got Jimmy, and everybody had Jimmy in their lineups, and all of a sudden I started sucking with Biggio. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, you're done. Jimmy, take your spot. Yeah. That's literally that fast. What do you think about – Willie Mays, obviously his attributes are unreal, but I hate his swing. Just borderline, I, I hate it. It's not even a conversation. Right. I will, if I get him, if I make World Series, I'm selling him. Yeah, I don't know yet. I'm going to definitely try and get a video out. I've been grinding crazy for Rick seasons, and I've just <laughs> ran into the top 50 players. Um, it's just not been my season, so <laughs> I'm doing my best. But I think I'm going to use him a little bit, and then if I end up keeping him, I end up keeping him. But I'm really liking my outfield right now. I think it's – I think what I have right now is end game for sure. 
Yeah, and, you know, other than Soto in left field defensively, it doesn't get much better than Trout and Griffey. Even Willie yeah, Mays, yeah. who's a great fielder, is not that much of an upgrade. Right, exactly. So, I don't know. I've seen other people succeed with them. I've seen people suck with Willie Mays. So, uh, it kind of just depends on what I feel with it. And I'm definitely going to try and get a YouTube video out for it. So, hopefully, hopefully that works. And hopefully he actually does good for me. And I got to ask you before we move on to, like, some other stuff. Uh, Bullpen-wise, they're finally giving us the guys, the 99s. I just still feel like every single reliever gets their shit kicked in the second they step on the mound. Yep, you're not wrong. I <laughs> I did not do well. I I'm iffy on uh Devin Williams. Mm-hmm. He's a little funky. I think the screwballs all mess up. I oh, this, the screwball is an automatic home run. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm it saying. It doesn't it like Juan Marichal's screwball is really good. Devin yeah. Williams is terrible. No, exactly. And Anderson is really hit or miss, I think. Uh Hendricks is surprisingly probably one of the better ones. I think two seams is becoming like one of the main pitches in the game. Mm-hmm. And I think it's starting to be noticed now that DeGrom uh, is finally showing back up again. Uh, but yeah, the, it seems like the bullpen arms, I've always said it too. I think pitching has been very bad this year, not only from gameplay aspect or aspect from actually playing with the cards. There hasn't been that many great bullpen arms. Mm-hmm. Like I, I kept Raleigh in for so long. Oh, I, I just took him out for, um, for Nick Anderson. Yep. I don't know how long that's going to last because Nick, An- Nick Anderson's fine. His slider's a little flat, but Raleigh's so easy to control. Yeah, no, easily. And you can place a slider on the outside corner with Raleigh anytime you want. Yeah. You can put a fork ball in the dirt anytime you want. But with guys like Anderson, it just seems like everything is all over the place. It's high mm. and inside, but to the point where it's almost hitting the batter. Uh, so yeah, I'm definitely on the same boat as you. Cause I don't, I don't know what to do with my bullpen. It's all over the place. I also think I am not a game theory person. I don't know anything about this shit, but there's gotta be some sort of like comeback coding where <laughs> seventh inning or later, if you're losing, you're going to score a bunch of runs because the SDS would want games to be close. Like, why would you want to discourage people? So I just yeah. think re- relievers catch the brunt of that because they're coming in late in the game. That's a theory. I don't know if it's true, but I feel like it is. No, I definitely feel that way too because I've blown so many leads with all of my relievers. No matter who it is, it's just someone is blowing a lead for me and then I get pissed off and then chat's mad at me for losing and (laughs) it's all that stuff, man. So I I totally understand that and I'm hoping that next year uh, with Xbox and Nintendo Switch and all that other stuff that next year is going to be like the game and Mm -hmm. I honestly do. I think next year is going to be the game that everybody's going to love. Yeah, I think, you know, even though hitting has some of its flaws with exit velos from time to time, yep. for the most part, hitting has gotten better since March. Uh-huh, pitching, sure. pitching has stayed terrible because you're going to put perfect, perfect inputs in and have a ball hang down the middle. That needs to go away. Yeah, I, I think that I saw multiple people talking about it a few days ago, but they need to add a perfect, perfect thing for the pitching. Yeah. But, and I, I wouldn't think – I don't want to say, like, oh, it's easy to add it. Like, I'm not a game developer. But I would, you would think that if you can add a perfect, perfect hitting area, then you mm-hmm. can do the same thing for pitching. Yeah, I think, like, a perfect, perfect pitching, you couldn't guarantee a swing and miss because, obviously, that's just not how it would have to work. Mm-hmm. But if you perfect, perfect an input, it should be exactly where you put the, the marker, and that's it. Like, 1, yes, they can, sure, they can hit it. Maybe you get a little boost to swing and miss or some sort of science behind it. But – it needs to happen. It's only fair. 
I, I totally, yeah, I, I don't know, but we're going to have to see what happens next year. I think that they're going to make a lot of big changes next year. I think, um, I think there's going to be a lot of cool new legends. I, I'm really, you know, excited and hoping that next year's game is going to be better than this year's. And this year was a great game, but mostly because of the content. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm just banking on next year's game to be something good for content creators, for regulars, for everybody. I agree 100%. So, guys, we're going to move on to some other stuff. But first, we're going to hear from our friends at Thrive Fantasy. You guys know the drill at this point, but listen up uh, and and maybe win some money. So, Thrive Fantasy has eliminated the need to do countless hours of research like other DFS apps because it only asks you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport. I'm looking down people who are watching on YouTube because I'm reading. So, don't don't make fun of my head. Uh, To play NFL games on Thrive Fantasy, choose five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on how likely it is to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points possible to win a share of the prize pool. If you're looking to play games and make some money during the remainder of the NFL season, crazy to think we're already at basically the halfway point, use promo code THESHOWTHEPOD when you sign up today and you'll receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy in the App Store or Play Store or by going online www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up and prop up today. So, Ty, we were talking before we started recording, and you told me a little bit about your history with content creating. And I don't want to make it sound overblown, but you've got a wild start to your content creating career. Uh, yeah. So just sure. walk, walk me through the beginning. Walk me through the, the hack. Walk me, walk me through it. So there was some parts that I kind of left out, but basically I started back in middle school and I was, I watched a lot of Madden YouTubers, believe it or not. And that was kind of my inspiration. And one of my favorites was a YouTuber named Anto the Boss. Uh, I watched him pretty much daily. Um, I enjoyed his content and I wanted to do it. I was like, you know what, whatever. I was actually at my grandma's house and I was just playing on my PS4 and I was like, why not try but I was young and I didn't understand the logistics and like mm-hmm. what I needed to do. Uh, and there was this actually Omegle meet that was, it was an app. I'm sure you know what Omegle is if that's um, yeah. So I actually, yeah. he had like an Omegle meet, my favorite YouTuber and he did a meetup. I met him. He shouted out my YouTube channel and stuff. It was super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got shouted out. I got a ton of subs, but I was just too young to understand what to do with those subs yeah. and the pressure caved in. So I just like, completely said you know what i'm gonna start fresh i'm gonna go completely new route let's go over here start a new one and then on the new one i started doing it be the show uh and then i got hacked on that channel after i hit 1000 subscribers um and i kind of got my way back up after i started a new channel like two months later and now i'm here with that same youtube channel dived into twitch or dove into twitch and now i'm now i'm here so obviously the hack is such a discouraging thing, especially when you're, you're a year in, but you're also still new to it at the same time, because it is still like that turning point of when a channel becomes something more. Mm -hmm. So was there ever a moment when you're like, I'm not going to start this up again? Yeah, there was. Uh, The thing was, is as someone young, you make a lot of easy mistakes. Uh, Mm -hmm. You say a lot of weird things. You say a lot of things that you know, you, probably shouldn't have said and there's just so much that has an like perspective in it and you don't understand what to do with editing with 
just clips, scenes. You had no clue. And as a kid streaming from a PS4 and have a little PlayStation camera, I didn't know much of what I was doing. I was just looking up to people and saying, I want to do it. So as a kid that hit a big milestone, it kind of sucked. And it was really, it was really hard to come back and say, I want to do it again, but I stuck with it. And I I made another channel. And I think obviously you're in a good place now. Um, I think with the game, like we were just talking about going multi-platform, I think it's an opportunity for a lot of creators, including smaller ones like yourself. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean no, for sure. you're still on the way up, but it's a, it's an opportunity now to grow even more. Like that's part of why I wanted to start this podcast because I, I realized that, you know, outside of Scuffy and Coogs' podcast, what else really is there? Yep, so, exactly. you know, I do do this for fun. I'm not trying to make a life out of this. Sure. If you guys want to pay me all the money in the world, I will make a, <laughs> yeah. I will make a life out of this, yeah. but like I do this for fun. But at the same time, there is, there is kind of a, some room to, to move into it. Um, so I guess along that same line, when, when new streamers or new content creators kind of approach you for advice, what, what are some things you tell them? For, uh, so the number one things I tell them is, which one of my buddies told me is investing yourself. That's my key thing is if you're willing to buy an Elgato, if you're willing to buy a PC, if you're willing to do chores or save up for that insane new content, like getting new scenes, getting a new game, getting the PS5, mm-hmm. stuff like that is investing in yourself. Uh, and that's probably one of my number one things. But another thing is consistency. Uh, I think that's kind of a given though. I mean, a lot of people, whenever somebody asks you for advice, they always say consistency, but it's, it's the truth. You need to be consistent to have a good foundation and really just build off of that. Uh, so those are like the main two things that I always try to tell the smaller people that are coming up or just trying to start. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think investing is probably the number one thing that I would tell everybody. So I don't necessarily want to like put you super hard on the spot. And I also know that setups cost a variety of different things, depending on what you're trying to do. But when you include the system, when you include the PC, you include all the monitors, the, this, that, the headsets, the microphones, what is like a ballpark total cost you you should expect as someone who's just going to get right into this for the first time? So for everything, uh, man, I'm, I'm probably going to tell you at least 1700 to $2,000. That's okay. probably the right around price. And like I said, I've, I've worked my way up for all of this. Like I didn't start with really much besides a PlayStation camera, a blue snowball, and a PS4. That's all I had. So I, I was always a big guy that wanted a PC. I always wanted a Logitech face cam. I always wanted the monitor, the two monitor setup, the cool microphone. So um, I worked my way up slowly, but it's definitely very hard if you're a kid trying to do it. But if you're an adult and you like put money to the side, it's obviously going to be easier. But I, I think it's very difficult to get a great setup with the amount of money it costs. Yeah. And I mean, you can make that very workable setup with two grand, but there are probably guys who spend eight, 10 grand on their setups, just depending on whatever they're doing or how big high profile they are. And, but it is nice to know that you can get in there, you know, 2000 is still a lot of money, but it's a fraction of that cost. Yeah, exactly. And especially you got to realize that it's all again, investing for what the possibility could be. You never know if you're going to make that money back with the content that you're producing on whatever it is, TikTok, Twitter, 
YouTube, Twitch, whatever it is, you could make that money back. And I think people don't really understand that as they say, if they're not growing, oh, I, I wasted $200. You didn't. You just got to bank on yourself more, work harder, keep doing the same things that you're doing, but maybe find a little tweak that you can do to it to make it better. That's, mm -hmm. that's the number one thing that I think people are really missing out on nowadays. And if you just make those small tweaks, then you never know where it's going to take you. And investing in yourself also means investing the time. Yes. And as someone who's 17, you play high school sports, you have friends, you do all these things. What is it like for you to juggle also streaming and recording and editing and all that stuff into the mix? Uh, it's, it's very hard. I usually go to bed around one in the morning every night. And then I wake up seven in the morning for school. So it's, 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 you got to risk the sleep. And I saw a tweet back from like two years ago from Atrin. And that's when it said like, you're, if you're going to do consecration, you're going to need to be willing to risk sleep. And I was like, I'm willing to do that. I have to. And ever since then, I've kind of just, just been into it, editing videos, recording, streaming, which is kind of why I started recording videos on stream. Mm -hmm. But it's like more for an entertaining aspect because of the edits I put in the YouTube video yeah. to make it like different. So that's my number one thing is just trying to manage everything. And I'm trying to work on finding like a day where I can just set a day for myself just to completely edit, not worry about anything else but content. Because mm -hmm. I've, I've become very serious and very obsessed with it, but a good obsessed, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you need the commitment. And so many of the top tier streamers and content creators – it's obviously it's their career. It's what they do, but they are so committed. So who are some of the guys we were talking about them before, before we started recording, who are some of the guys you want to shout out who've really helped you or, or you use as inspiration things like that? Uh, one that not many people know, M.Frisk back in MLB, the show 17, that dude has helped me with so much. I've had so many different conversations with him where he's telling me just look up tags, look up this, look up that, and just try and build off of that. Um, Coogs, I've always looked up to Coogs. That's just a, every MLB The Show creator is going to say that. Coogs was one of the first to ever do it. And Coogs was the first that really started to find that lick of success. Uh, so Coogs, Dropneck Mark when he was doing it. And even now when he's doing his baseball content, mm -hmm. he really does help me with, here's what you need to do on this thumbnail. Try and tweak this a little bit. Try and mix it up to the point where it doesn't show this. Um, so those are like the big guys that I would say, but I have like my friends, like, uh, the scan, uh, cream Frisch. Um, there's so many different, like smaller guys that I really try to lock myself with. And, uh, I really enjoy just having a content and personal conversation with them. Mm -hmm. So that's been my number one thing is just trying to help others, but also gain more knowledge myself. Yeah, absolutely. I think surrounding yourself with people who, not only know what's going on, but also are just like they have a head on their shoulders and they're very level-headed mm -hmm. is the best way to, you know, succeed yourself because you're surrounding yourself with people who are already doing that. Um, and as far as, you know, you mentioned you're an Angels fan. I'm sorry. Um, you're, uh, you're wasting Mike Trout. Uh, not you personally, but, you know. No, I, I know. For the sure. Angels are wasting Mike Trout, and I, I feel bad because I love uh, – everyone should love Mike Trout. Um, what I like to ask the content creators I interview on here uh, is just some questions about their team as far as what we have and don't have in MLB The Show. So, obviously, I would imagine you agree the best Angels card we've ever had is the current Mike Trout. Oh, 1,000%. Uh, 
just because it's so obvious, who's maybe like the next best Angels card you think that we've ever had? Oh, that's hard. Oh, man. Like, I, uh, personally, I personally think, even though he's not high rated, that face the franchise Otani is gross. That was a gross card. But I do feel like that since we're always so bad that we don't get as much love and it's really hard <laughs> to find a good card on the Angels. Uh, that 99 Vladdy, I think, is disgusting. I think yeah, people did not use that as much as people should have. Uh, but previous years, I'm not going to lie, there's not many Angels cards that really stick out to me that I remember, like I would remember a 99 Clayton Kershaw mm-hmm. or something like that. So I would just say Trout, and you're probably right, Otani. That's probably like the second best card that we've gotten, which is it's a good card, but it's kind of sad because we don't really have many great yeah. established cards. So is your all-time Angels team basically guys who are on other teams currently but used to play for the Angels? Yeah, so I have like Burt Blylevin, Zach Greinke, yeah. Uh, people like that. I tried to mix up my team, Lee Smith. Uh, I'm actually going to be doing like a YouTube video with another creator and that's going to be like current guys. Their, their team on the card is the angels or the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to build around that. So I have a 99 Joe Dell. Uh, I don't have pools because this card is, yeah. yeah, St. Louis. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't have the 97 Rendon. So I'm trying to build a team for that. And it sucks because my catcher right now is Max Stassi. So, yeah. That's rough. I mean, we could also – we could circle back and go to finest. And you got your boy David Fletcher if you want to be excited about him. I'm very excited about Fletcher (laughs) because I actually had the opportunity to meet David Fletcher. Oh, he's a good guy. Uh, Great guy. But I'll tell you what, the quietest dude you'll ever meet. He's very humble, very straightforward. Uh, He actually came to my high school because – one of my coaches was his coach at his college. Oh, cool. And he came down and talked to us, talked about like some clubhouse memories, talked about like the fundamentals, talked about mm-hmm. what he's, how he keeps, you know, a mental standpoint and still plays every day. Um, and just hearing him talk, he was very quiet, but you could also tell that he was so down to earth and so knowledgeable about the sport, about just keeping a good mental state and everything. He was just a very good guy. And when you talk to him, I talked to him on the side. I was like, oh, my grandpa's a huge fan. Like, we watch all your games. And he goes, thanks. Like, he's so quiet. Like, you could hardly hear him. But he's, he's a great dude, man. He's tiny, too. Yeah, I, uh, before I started my current job, I used to work at a newspaper back on Long Island. And I covered – it wasn't my primary job, but as, like, during the summers, they'd have me go cover Yankees and Mets. So, I, okay. used, I used to go spend time in the clubhouse, in the locker room, in the press box. And – you come to learn very quickly which ball players are like super approachable and really nice and yep. which guys just like talk to you cause they contractually have to. And I feel the, like that's like an A-Rod. A-Rod was, see now here's the A-Rod talk to you cause he had to, but also yep. he didn't like, he didn't waste your time. Like he, if you asked him a question, he gave you a good answer. He just really didn't want to do it. Um, right. But I could, I've never spoken to David Fletcher, but guys like you're describing are the ones I love to talk to. Just the ones who are humble and approachable and like, you know, kind of appreciate the spotlight they're in. Yeah. And I think that's why like the whole angels Twitter uh, has like a whole fan base full of David Fletcher fans. And like Mm -hmm. when he made a great play, it was just called David Fletcher period. That's all it was in the caption. And that's just because like, He's so easy to market because 
One, he's super small. He's completely different. He has a completely <laughs> different play style that most have in the game now. And he's just fun. You can just tell, even though he's like straight face, there's that one little moment where you see a smile when he makes an amazing play or something. And that's what makes him such a good guy to have on the Angels. And he's the type of player who current broadcasters who like traditional baseball love this guy. They yeah. go crazy for David Fletcher because he plays the right way. And, yeah. and for people who are listening and not watching, I'm using air quotes. Plays <laughs> the right way. Yeah. No, totally. Because, I mean, you'll, you'll see Fletcher swing at a high outside fastball, completely out of the zone, and still rope it down the right field line. Like, he's just that talented. And I've, I've enjoyed watching him. And especially after meeting him, I'm, I'm like, dude, let's go. Come on, I'm rooting for you. Because he's like one of the only things that us Angels fans have is him, Otani, which I don't know if we still have him with how many times he's injured. Or what he's going to be. Is he going to just pitch, just hit? Right. Yeah. Right. At this point, I just want him to hit. But Trout and then Rendon, that's, that's it. Mm-hmm. So I'm baking on Bauer. I'm baking on Stroman. I'm baking on all these people that just come our way. Yeah, and Adele is going to be better than his rookie season. But, you know, he's still going to grow. He's not going to be automatic. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not too worried about Adele. But at the same time, I would rather have a better – you know, pitcher or just somebody that I can count on right away than Adele as a develop, a developing player. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I'm going to let it wait out. I do think that we could make some great moves this year if we do get the right GM. Um, so I'm just hoping that we do. We don't have Simmons anymore. So I'm just banking on the GM that we get to actually make some moves for us to build around the best player in baseball. Yeah. I mean, at least, you know, Billy Epler was a former Yankee executive, so he did yep. good things in the Yankee system. Just he was not the head guy. He did somehow turn Dylan Bundy into gold, which is mind-blowing to me because as a Yankees fan, I saw him get lit up by, you know, with the Orioles every time he pitched. Yeah, he was horrible on the Orioles, but yeah. I don't know what happened for us. He just like all of a sudden everything clicked. Mm-hmm. And I think it started out against Oakland is when all of a sudden that one outing he had – he just went up from there, and it just didn't stop. Um, I, I liked Bundy this year. I was a big guy that was saying we need to train him at the deadline, get some mm-hmm. proper guys, replaceable guys. But, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. We didn't make a move, and I think that's honestly why Epler didn't get, you know, kept on the team. So, yeah, I think I was big. And then, so we talked about how the Angels sometimes don't get the cards you'd like them to see. Who are some Angels all-time guys that – you would love to get the rights to and have like 99 juice cards in this game. Oh man. Like the I, first thing, if I could steal the first thing is Troy gloss or Troy glass. Or yeah. That's thing. what I was about to say. The car, to be, sure. the car to be a, a BR nightmare. Yeah, it would. And I was hoping I was baking on a 99 Tim salmon. I love Tim salmon. Mm-hmm. We got the 97, but still I would much rather have a higher overall card for him. If I could go back to any other ones, I would love a Jerry Weaver. Oh my gosh. That'd be great. Oh Yeah. I love Jerry Weaver. Cool. Jerry Weaver was great. Uh, there were a lot of, like, just pitchers that we had. Like, I would love Skaggs back in the game. That would be amazing because mm-hmm. Skaggs was a great pitcher, great dude. Um, I think people like that I would mainly focus on, but Weaver would be my number one for sure. I would go back to that um, – the World Series team from the early 2000s and, like – pick guys off that team. So, like, we got the Garrett Anderson. He's not juiced, but, like, we got a Garrett Anderson. He's all right. Dude, Scott Spezio, who's, like, a no-name yeah. player but had, like, such a good couple of years. Like, that would be Benji. fun to play with. Yeah. 
I mean, guys, I, honestly, a Benji Molina would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be pretty cool. I would love um, it. You know, I think – I don't know why we've never gotten, like, a really, really, really good Troy Percival, but I feel like we need that. Yeah, um, I don't know why that's – K-Rod. K-Rod is the next one I was going to say. You know, yeah. Francisco Rodriguez would be filthy. That would be disgusting. Add a sinker on that card next year. Oh, man, that would be, that'd be gross. Yeah, he'd have the, the sinker. He'd definitely have the cutter. And his changeup was like uh, usually his strikeout pitch, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Or was it like a splitter? It was like a, a hybrid was like between a, the two. Yeah, it was like a mix of just an off-speed pitch. And it was a perfect off-speed pitch. It got everybody out. Like, the dude was known for K-Rod for a reason. Mm-hmm. So, I would love to see him back in the game. I think it's been about three years now. So, I'm banking on them to release the – I don't even care. Give me a Milwaukee version of him. Just give me him back in the game. And this – I forgot who was talking about this. It might have been Dimu. I think it was Daddy Dimu, where every legend they release should have a bronze, silver, gold, and then their diamond. Yeah. Like, this year, Larry Walker's in the game for the first time. We only got his 99. I love yeah. Larry Walker. I'm not – that's one of my favorite outfielders in the game. If it wasn't for Griffey, he'd still be in my outfield. Right. But – Let's give me all his versions or maybe make them an evolution program. Like I want to see more of those evolution programs too. Yeah. That was like the thing in 2017. Like if you found the, the 86 Joe Mauer, then you can get the 99. That was such a cool thing that they did. And I don't know why they ever got rid of it. And they honestly exchanged it for the mortals, which that made no sense. We all saw how Mm -hmm. that turned out. So why can't we have that back in the game? Like, where we have an, uh, an 80 overall Johnny Bench that you can work up to a 95, then to a 99. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a fan of Conquest. I don't think that comes back. So why not add something like Evolution programs back into the game? I'm with you. See, I actually don't mind Conquest. I like to grind. Even if it's mindless, I don't necessarily care. Um, I think Conquest is good for the offline players, uh-huh. but it does add really no value to your Diamond Dynasty team. So why not start the year with evolution programs? Maybe you pick one or two of those 85 players or 85 rated players and you can, you know, do things to earn other ones. And then as the game goes through its cycle, your cards are getting better and better. I think that makes a lot of sense. And that's what they did with cargo and the Dennis Eckersley and all those other cards. They did that to perfection at the start. And that's why people were having fun with it. They just gave a cargo card. Realistically, though, yeah, but realistically, long-term, those are shit cards. Right, of course. I mean, but at the same time, at the beginning of the, at the, beginning of the year, you want to have someone that's going to be used mm-hmm. pretty much for yeah. that slate. And then after that, just kind of use other cards. Like, people weren't going to get Mike Trout unless she spent a ton of stubs or a ton of money to get mm-hmm. him. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely think that having that evolution, like the cargo, was amazing. I think that was perfect for the game. But, like, the missteps there, too, were, like – okay, where's my 99 cargo? Where's my 99 Eckersley? Why is 99 Pudge an inning boss and not the end of yeah. the evolution program? Like, there are things – it's not that SDS did a bad job. It's just that some things, they don't make sense. Yeah, I think they do – I think their timing with everything is horrible. Yeah. Like, everything. Like, yeah. regardless of what it is. Um, and we can reference back to the Team Affinities. That's what's been the number one thing that people got mad about. Um, I just wish that there were things like the patch made no sense. That's probably the number one thing, actually, I would say is why, why then after week one, nothing was wrong with the game. The mm-hmm. hitting was perfect. The pitching wasn't that bad. 
the fielding was just the one flaw that we had at that time. And it's not yeah. as bad now, but we had everything exactly how we wanted it and how we'd been asking for years. Mm-hmm. And then they just let it go. It's a video game. You're supposed to hit the ball. Yeah, the two things that bother me most with fielding, animations should not be so hard and fast as far as what you're locked into. Like, there needs to be some fluidity in how the outfielders move. Like, you should have more control of that. Uh, That goes with, you know, when they pick the ball up off the wall and they do a jump stop and they wait for, like, 10 seconds and then they throw it. Like, that's not real. Um, Yeah, I'm totally with you. The other thing – I feel like every single outfielder has Bobby Abreu syndrome. And I don't know if you're old <laughs> enough to know what that means, but Bobby Abreu was petrified of the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so I, when he was on the Yankees, the dude did not come within 10 feet of the wall. He was shit his pants the second the ball went in the air. So every outfielder misplays the wall. It doesn't matter if they're diamond or not. It's just, it's a disaster. Yeah. And that's sort of like the, the shuffle step or like whatever you call it, where they yeah. like quickly transport to the ball and the ball's like over here. Mm-hmm. And it made no sense. It, that, that's one of the worst animations in the game. So, I mean, we could go on about fielding, but they did a really good job fixing that one where they wouldn't lock onto the ball. Yes. Because that was the big one that yes. people were pissed about. Um, I say, So I think that that was kind of helping them in their case a little bit. But at the same time, hitting is the number one thing that everybody wants. And it's like I said, it's a video game. We want hitting, but we also want to be able to pitch. Mm-hmm. Let us earn the hits that we get, and we were able to day one. We earned a hit. Yeah, so. and the thing is, like, we both have played baseball. You still play. I'm retired. Um, baseball's imperfect, right? So you will get late hits. You know, you will get cheap leaders through the hole. The game can't eliminate those because there is some aspect of randomness to baseball. Yep. But the very late or very early home runs, that's impossible. Those don't exist. Let's get rid of those. Yeah, but even the – I would even say that the very lates that are really, really bad is when a 102-mile-per-hour fastball from DeGrom comes in on, like, let's just say Machado. That should not be a bloop. Like, nine times out of ten, that's going to be a swing and a miss. Or it's straight up in the air. Yeah, straight or up even in the air. that, or even it's literally the balls in the dirt and they're very early and they're swinging out in front very, very early. Mm-hmm. And it's somehow a foul ball. And even the PCI wasn't even on it. That's like, that, those are the things that really annoy me is I think that they need to fix those small things. And I think the number one thing that for me that they need to fix was the, the perfect throw for the catchers. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, I was talking about this in someone's stream today. I think it was Ochev's, but when the shortstop gets the ball, sure, a better throw is going to make them apply a tag quicker. But wouldn't you think that would matter more for the shortstop on how their rating of a tag is? Yeah, the tagging, apply the, the, tagging the tagging metrics are – like the ball will get there so early before the runner, and the, the tag is just like the slowest thing you've ever seen. Right. Like, I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. That should be involved in the fielding aspect of mm-hmm. the game. That's why that fielding should be high – for someone like Machado, for someone like Javier Baez, yeah. the tag, boom, done. But and it shouldn't be. It should be regardless of the throw. It should obviously, if it's really high, it's not going to be an out. But if it's in that little like area mm-hmm. in that zone where they want it, then apply the tag quick, because that's that's what you want those cards for, and that gives us yeah. another way to determine who's in our, you know, infield. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder if tagging should like factor into reaction in the field because that yeah. is kind of a reactionary thing. It's a quickness thing. Yep. Um, 
but you're right. I think tagging kind of just the way the game is currently created, it's just standard for everyone. That's just the way it feels. And like that's like Javi Baez should have the snap tag that everyone loves about him. Like that should yep. be an anim- that should be an animation personalized to him. I totally agree. I, I I'm with that hundred percent. And I've said it for so long now. And people have always said it like, wow, I never thought about that. Well, it I, I'm sure SCS didn't either, because clearly it's it's not in the game. And I think it's it's for more like a, a common sense thing. Mm-hmm. For someone that plays baseball, that's kind of like a knowledge thing is that a perfect throw is going to obviously give you a better tag, but you're not going to get an out every single time. Yeah. That's, it shouldn't be a guaranteed out. It should be more so exactly. that, that if it's a good – if it's in the region that you want and you have a good tag, if you have someone like Baez, someone that can apply the tag quick, they should be out. And the argument is not that SDS does not pay attention to small details because you look at pretty much every player has their own home run animation and yep. – Babe Ruth has that stupid running animation. Like they pay attention to those things. So give me the tags. Give me those cool things. Exactly. That the, the the small things that they miss are probably the most aggravating. Yeah. And I I don't understand it. But I'm like I, I've said it multiple times this this podcast. I think that next year's game is going to be a big difference. That's why mm-hmm. I think they put that tweet out. I think they're going to delay the game. And I think I so do, too. I think so I do too. think hopefully, that they're going to do a great job. Hopefully not. Like some people are like, oh, I don't think we're getting this game until June. That's a little much. I think maybe like April, April, mid-April. I would give them first week of May, but like you want to play the game during the season. That's the whole point. So I don't think they wait that long. Yeah, I don't. I don't either. And I think that they can't wait that long because for the marketing standpoint, for the for the actual baseball, because MLB does post about MLB the show. And that does help them quite a bit because yes. people for Madden, people learn NFL players through Madden. Mm-hmm. I That's learned, how I did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People learn more MLB players through MLB the show. It helps them and gives more interest for the actual game. Like I know people that never watched baseball in their life that play MLB the show, but then once they played it, they wanted to get into it from mm-hmm. actually watching it. Yeah. It's going to hurt them if they release it too late, but I don't think they will. I think they know they need to release it early. But they need to find a cover athlete, and they need to find one soon. And look, I mean, we also – delaying the game is not just because they want to. You know COVID has something to do with it. So it is somewhat out of their control. At the same time, they're, I'm sure, going to work as fast as possible once they can to actually finish this game. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm definitely putting that into consideration. But also, um, I, I just think with the cover athlete, they're going to need to make a decision on that. Are they going to do a Clemente? Mm-hmm. Are they going to do a Tatis? Are they going to – like, what are they going to do? We don't know. Um, we need to find out what's going to happen with the gameplay. We can't wait that long, and we can't – we can only play MLB The Show 20 for so long. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be a game that I'm not going to want to play all year. It's, it's something that – like, I love the game. Obviously, you love the game. We all love the game, even though it has its flaws. But as a content creator, things get stale. Oh, that's – see – and that's the problem because I, what I think with the finest drop is you blessed us, but at the same time you hurt us because that's going to be the last big drop we have all year. And now you have to go through November, December, January, February, at least five more months of the same stuff. And that's why I feel bad for people like Coogs and Healy and all these other people that actually do this for a living. The views are going to go down. Yeah. Like what are they, what are they going to do? They have no control over that. Um, and if we're not getting any new cards, what's the point? 
Like we, we need something that's going to come into the game. Uh, and that's why I think Willie Mays was a good card release, but the world series, I don't know about that. That, that was kind of iffy for me. I thought what they should have done was add a, another collection to trout, which is why I thought they were doing the whole voucher thing. That's what I thought. Go I think, there. I think I talked about it with scuffy. It's like, it makes, I mean, maybe it could still happen. I don't know what card we don't have, but I mean, Hey, it could still happen. Yeah. I, I hope so because there's a lot of things that they could do. And I, I actually predicted Soto to be the cover, but with the 99 finest, that kind of rules it out because you got to keep in mind that they're going to do a pre-order. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I don't think it's going to be Tatis. But then again, I thought it was going to be Acuna. Like, there's so many different things, which is making me lead to them doing something different and having, like, a Clemente, having, like, who knows, Randy Johnson. Who knows? We don't know who someone it's going to be. Yeah. Someone different, someone unique. I agree 100%. And so, guys, we recorded a lot longer than I think we thought we were, but this has been a really great conversation. And, you know, we talk about maybe views going down and things like that. Don't let this guy's views go down. So, Ty, tell them where to find you. Tell them why they should be watching you and sell yourself here. All right, twitch.tv, TyGuys11YT. If you want us to come for positive, entertaining, fun, just chill vibes. Uh, I'm the guy. I do occasionally have some good gameplay, but <laughs> I can't promise you there. I've gone 12 and 0 twice. So oh, look can, at this I guy say bragging. That. Oh, there's a bragger. All right. <laughs> I could I say that. That's the one thing I could say. But uh, yeah, if you're looking for someone that's, you know, trying to make trying to make something out of this, you know, a dream become a reality, I'm your guy. Post on YouTube, post on multiple platforms. So uh, you can find me there. Tigas11 for YouTube, Tigas11YT for Twitch. You heard it from Ty Guy. Follow this man. Watch his content. I appreciate all of you for listening to the show, the podcast. We'll be back next week with God knows what. Um, But I'll spew about something for 30 minutes, and we'll see where it goes. Thanks, guys, for watching. Later. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Show, The Podcast. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at The Show, The Pod for opinions, updates, and so much more. Become a patron at patreon.com slash the show, the podcast to support the show. For $5 a month, you'll get exclusive access to bonus interviews with MLB The Show content creators. For $10 a month, you'll get the bonus interviews plus the chance to play me in an online friendly each month you're a member. That's it for now. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, I'll see you at Ship It.